Hello Neighbors Church, Dan and Alexis here with this month's conversation, a podcast. We are just truly honored to be here with you today. As Dan likes to say, we're blessed and honored to be in your headspace. Yeah, love getting into your headspace. As you know, the past couple of months, we have been talking about these seven convictions that we are wanting to anchor ourselves in, our community in for the next several months. And last month in February, we talked about this conviction of courage, remaining faithful to the scriptures in a time where... Uh, fidelity and faithfulness is really lacking. Mm. Um, And this month we're wanting to talk about charismatic moving in the power of the spirit. And really ultimately courage comes through the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon God's people. I can't think of a more important time for God's people to dwell in the world courageously as a non-anxious presence. There's so much pressing, mm-hmm. not only on us, but the brokenness of this world is rearing its ugly head. We, we are certainly in one of the more dangerous times we have seen in the new millennium. Um, and so there is a level where we are to be a people of boldness, a people of humility, and really a people of, of certainty. Mm-hmm. And the the crossover, as my wife said, the bridge to true courageous, non-anxious living is empowerment by the Holy Spirit. That is what we see throughout the biblical narrative. We see these little pockets of it in the Old Testament. We see um, doubting Gideon suddenly becoming a mighty warrior when the Spirit comes upon him. We see (laughs) Samson with his beautiful locks. If he keeps them from being cut, he has supernatural strength as he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see Moses handing off the leadership torch to Joshua. We see the spirit of Eli Shah being handed to Eli Jah. Other or maybe way it's the other way around. Got it. <laughs> other way around. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, honey. Um, we we see these these points, these interactions between spirit and humanity in the Old Testament. Then we get to the New Testament. Jesus comes, lives anointed by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the most courageous human that's ever lived without question. And he dies. He is crucified, uh, capitally punished under the Roman Empire. He is buried and he resurrects three days later and descends unto heaven. And the gospel of Mark ends that moment by saying, and the disciples were afraid. It is such a stark ending. It's just, they were afraid. But then you continue through the pages of the Bible and you read Luke's account of the gospel and you get into his sequel, the book of Acts, where this promise is finally fulfilled for all of God's people, where no longer will the interaction between God's spirit and God's people be limited to only a select few, but he will be poured out upon a community of people, the church. Acts chapter two, tongues of fire, wind blowing, Mm -hmm. and you see these peasant fishermen, women and slaves the offscouring of Roman society and within three centuries, they have turned that world upside down because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit with this radical conviction and this tremendous courage and dearest friend. It is what the Spirit is inviting us to in this current moment in this generation of the church. Yeah, moving in the power of the Spirit charismatically is really just embracing 
the gifts and the ministry of the Spirit to equip the church for fruitful and missional engagement. And so really, as Jesus followers, we are seeking to be people of God's manifest presence so that the world would look on the people in our lives, you know, in our coffee shops, in our workplace, in our school, and our schools would say, surely God is among them. Like, whoa, whatever this working in this person's life is, like, I want that. And God is among them. Dear listener, maybe that's a good question. I know it's a question my wife and I are considering even in the midst of this conversation. It's a challenging question. If your coffee shop co-laborers, your fellow students, your friends at work or in family settings were to write a short paragraph about you, within that paragraph would they say, surely God is among her. Surely God is with him. Surely God is working through them. That's not to, meant to be a condemning question by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's an important question to assess. Am I living at the exchange or am I, am I living in the, in the, in the interspace between heaven and earth? Am I empowered? Am I living into the promises and the power that God wants me to live into? And really, you know, this, this whole idea of being animated by the power of the Holy Spirit just as a reminder, that same power resurrected Jesus from the grave. That same power resides in you. And so uh, though you may feel with that question that Dan just asked, you know, um, oh man, I'm, I'm falling short. I'm not doing this. Uh, just be encouraged and really see it as that question more as an invitation to walk into the power that resides within you. So as we get into it, Spirit of God, fall upon my friend, Spirit of God, move. Mm -hmm. Spirit of God, even now, whether doing dishes or stuck in traffic or on a jog, Spirit of God, come upon us. We seek your presence. It is a challenging generation to be a charismatic people in the midst of, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in the midst of. Late Western modernity has done a phenomenal job, an incredible job of deluding us into the belief, convincing us that the only thing that exists in reality is that which is measurable, testable, and physical. You know, for the super nerds out there, there are great authors out there. Uh, Charles Taylor, and his discussions on eminent frame and uh, rise of the triumph and rise of the modern self, Carl Truman, those guys are helping us to understand sociologically and psychologically how we have arrived at this delusion that the only thing that exists is what is eminent, what is physical, what is measurable. But that sits, our current cultural worldview sits in stark contrast to the Christian worldview, the charismatic spirit empowered worldview. Mm -hmm. And so for our first foot forward into this world of living charismatically, living empowered by the Holy Spirit, we must first be reminded that the Christian views the cosmos as porous. <laughs> there is interplay between a metaphysical reality and a physical reality, what the Hebrew sages called heaven and earth. They are not separate. They are to be one. This is God's grand recreation project, making heaven and earth one again. And so the charismatic Christian lives his life under the recognition that what we do, what we say, when we pray, the way we behave has ramifications, not only in the physical present, but in the ethereal 
in the immeasurable, in the untangible, in the spiritual realm, this porous reality, this interchange back and forth, this tethering of heaven and earth. And this is what Paul was getting at. When he talks about spiritual gifts, maybe some of you have taken some of those spiritual gifts <laughs> assessments. We love assessments, uh, we Americans. We do. They're helpful and they're not helpful at all. I think they kind of mess up what Paul was getting at because what Paul was getting at in the books of Corinthians and what Peter was getting at in his list of gifts was what we might call manifestations. Now, <laughs> I don't mean like manifest your destiny like our society is into right now. Paul uses a series of synonyms to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in the church's life. He uses uh, pneumaticas, which is the word for the, the word of the spirit. You, you may think of like pneumatic tools, tools that are run by air, like jackhammers or pneumatic wrenches, those types of things. And charismata, from which we get our word um, charisma, with which I won my wife over, my charisma. <laughs> no, it's not that kind of charisma. It's mm. charismata. It's, it's this manifestation. When Paul talks about gifts in the people of God, he is talking about manifestations of the spirit, enabling God's people to do that which they would not do or could not do apart from his presence. He writes, 1 Corinthians 12, four through six, there are different kinds of gifts. That's the Greek word charismata, but the same spirit, pneuma. There's that spirit gift interaction, that manifestation. And God chooses to distribute those gifts as he wills upon us. And I don't think personally that there is one gift for you. I think there's a primary gift set you're given, but I think the spirit can manifest whatever gift or whatever he wants in any given person at any given time. Paul goes on, he says, there's different kinds of service, that's diakonos, but the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit empowering them. I love this one. There are different kinds of working. That word working is the Greek word energeo, from which we get our word energy. There are different kinds of energies, mm -hmm. but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So this porous interaction between heaven and earth, you being a conduit, a thin space of the work of the metaphysical in the physical, this is your first foot forward into the world of living charismatically and empowered by this amazing God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just as uh, I think it's important to remind us as a church that, you know, we are balancing the charismatic with the contemplative. Yeah, because the contemplative is next month, right? I'm, I'm not sure, but we're, we're balancing these. And again, you know, we've used at Neighbors this idea of, you know, a trampoline and the tensions of, you know, the springs that hold that trampoline. And so while, of course, you know, we don't want to just be contemplative, we also want to be um, charismatic. And so we can't overemphasize or lean too far into one part of of life um, in the life of Jesus. If we neglect one, we're gonna inevitably neglect the other. And so to be fully formed sons and daughters of Jesus, we actually need to, when you think through our values of stillness, simplicity, spirit, you know, we need to slow down in order to get moving. We need to be still in order to be active. We need to be silent in order to shout, you know, those moments where there's those contrasts. And so, you know, mm -hmm. even with the, the value of simplicity, you know, our modern life can get so crammed with clutter and distraction. And so we keep this, um, you know, simplistic, 
way of focusing, you know, especially focusing on contentment and letting the contours of the kingdom shape our life rhythms. You know, with stillness, we remember that we're embodied souls and that, you know, when we're still, we're actually attuning our awareness to God and reconnecting with Him. And then with that like spirit through those things, you know, God, the spirit indwells us and animates us and we're intimate with him. And then he sends us out as this prophetic and pastoral presence in this world and we're animated by him. And so in those moments, again, that tension of stillness and simplicity, all of that is to send us out. It's not just to stay where we're at with non-action, but it's Mm -hmm. to propel us forward in animated Holy Spirit action. I think if you listen to this session and next month's session in tandem, you'll get that trampoline image of the contemplative charismatic, charismatic contemplative life. The contemplative looks at the beauty in a green tree and says, Lord, that is a signpost of the kingdom and your beauty to come. The charismatic moves from that moment of consideration and contemplation and cries out, bring that beauty more fully into the world, cries out and heralds, this is the beauty that is coming. I think maybe even just to get this conversation started and like, you know, zero in a little more on the charismatic life, I think it'd be good to actually focus on first, like the detriments or the things that keep us back from living into that, that Holy Spirit charismatic life. Yeah. I think detriments is a good way to discuss it. Paul, Paul is pretty clear that the Holy Spirit is a person and that as a person, we can grieve him. Uh, we can make him sad. And not only that, um, we can resist him. The metaphor used consistently for the Holy Spirit throughout the biblical narrative is uh, like the outpouring of water, the outpouring of, of power. And so we can resist that. The, the Greek word or the English word that we translate that with is quenched. It's the idea of putting it out. And so there is a lot that is detrimental to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And being aware of that is another move forward. And and as we already opened this, I think one of the first and most important detriments to overcome is our worldview. Mm -hmm. The, The lack of recognizing that we are physical spiritual creatures interacting in a physical spiritual reality with real power given to us and real power operating within us and real power coming against us. Mm-hmm. I would say another detriment uh, you know, to this Holy Spirit empowered life is unrepentant sin. Oh, this is maybe, oh, it's so huge. Yeah, you know, you look at your life, my life, when I look at my life and I can for sure say there have been certain seasons where um, my sin affected my ability to, um, yeah, live charismatically and live in that sense of that, again, that intimacy, mm-hmm. that place of intimacy where you're able to hear and discern and listen. And and we're not talking about, you know, dark nights of the soul, those kinds of seasons where mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like God's silent. You know, we're talking very specifically here about unrepentant sin. And, um, you know, I, I would encourage you, uh, if there's, you know, a sense where you're not hearing and you know you're not in that kind of dark night of the soul moment, really ask the spirit, you know, show me, is there something in my life that I'm quenching? Um, I'm quenching your activity in my life because of sin. Mm. And, uh, you know, insecurity and safety 
if something comes to mind, like confess that to the father Mm -hmm. and walk in that freedom and forgiveness. Yeah. In the world of sports psychology, they have this idea of flow state. And I have found in my own personal life, when I'm harboring a sin, it's like everything has a hitch in my giddy up. Mm -hmm. Like my relationship with you, babe, gets just tangled and there's tension and it's not flowing. Um, The sermon prep or leading or operating in meetings or interacting with my kids. When I'm harboring some bitterness or some lust or some doubt, or I'm, I'm not confessing those things in a rhythmic way, there's a hitch in my giddy up. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's so important that you hear, this is not to be condemning and crushing. And it's also not to be, um, to wound even more deeply. I know many of us really want intimacy with God. And we really want his power to be poured out through us. And that longing itself is a mark that the Holy Spirit is working in you. And so if there is a besetting sin, as the author of Hebrews calls it, that's an invitation for you to begin to pray, Holy Spirit, give me power. Give me power to overcome. Give me power to untangle myself, which leads to the next detriment. And it's a deep detriment. And this is a difficult one to discuss. It's doubt. Yeah. Just pure, full on, committed to, non-negotiable unbelief. I, I just simply do not believe that the Holy Spirit is or that the Holy Spirit wants to empower me, come upon me, be with mm-hmm. me, guide me through the day. And in this modern age of deconstruction and, um, and where cynicism is the only thing uh, worth trusting, it's very difficult for us to, to in this, in this social moment, um, believe mm-hmm. deeply that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us. I'll speak personally. I have discovered over these years that sometimes when I'm deeply entrenched in cynicism and unbelief, if I'm raw, honest with it, I'm trying to take God hostage to, to, to myself. Yeah, I, your demands are... Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm taking God hostage and I'm saying, if you do this... I'm holding you hostage. You do this, then I'll believe. (laughs) Or if you don't do this, then I won't believe. And I (laughs) fuel my cynicism and I fuel my kind of holding God hostage, which is just another delusion of our frail humanity. Yeah, I love how we think we can actually like hold God (laughs) hostage when we all know he can't be held hostage, especially, you know, by the demands of you know, skeptical and cynical people. A temper tantrum. Oh, Dan, you're throwing a temper tantrum? (laughs) Here, let me bow the universe to your will. Oh my gosh. You guys should be really thankful God doesn't do that. Um, And so he can't be taken hostage, friend. And oftentimes overcoming unbelief is, it's an act of surrender. It's an act of saying, I I believe, help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, recently we had one of our, our, just a, I don't know, Mike is like a pillar of our community. He's a young college guy that's been with us from basically the very beginning. His father, a couple years ago now, I think, diagnosed with cancer and wasn't just diagnosed with, you know, any kind of quickly curable cancer. He was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And over these last couple of years, they've been through a run of therapies and modern medical developments, just trying to get this cancer at bay. And uh, Mike, as of last year, was pretty certain his father wasn't going to make it through Christmas. And then, lo and behold, he shows up at community group one night, 
Yeah. Mike is a very quiet, analytical type kid and um, waits for the entire group, our whole, our whole group to finish its night. And he says, oh, guys, I wanted to let you know that um, my dad went and we were working on getting his cancer counts down to like 50% so that he could start this new therapy, some experimental therapy. And this time he went back and the doctors did not know what to say other than there's no measurable cancer. It's, it's as if my dad has gone into remission and there's no <laughs> medical explanation. And Micah, he's just so, so forthright and so calm in this. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sure like all of us were like crying. I, we were I like, was what? just so moved. And it was like the deeply entrenched cynicism and skepticism about belief in God and belief that God answers prayers. In that moment, I just found myself repenting, friend literally saying, Father, I am sorry. And I want to pray, come Holy Spirit, heal, empower, move in our church, move in this city and forgive my unbelief. I believe. Mm -hmm. And I, I think also at the root of our unbelief or cynicism is really, we, we don't believe that God, the Holy Spirit is for us and that mm. he actually wants to work through us. And, and even this situation with Micah's dad, it's just, it's sometimes it's easier and safer to, to be in unbelief than to press into saying, okay, you know, Holy Spirit, you're for me and you want to work through me and you want to work through the situation with my dad. And, and, you know, obviously that's not to say in this life, like everything turns out as healing. Again, it's like, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago at our Sunday gathering, you know, those, those moments become signposts. The healing moments become like yeah. way markers and signposts of what will eventually be. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's right. Um, but again, I think even with this, this little section on, you know, what could possibly be a detriment to your cares to your charismatic life in Christ is, you know, I would I would ask you to consider: Do you believe that God, the Holy Spirit, is for you and He wants to work through you? He wants to animate you. I think some of that's um, in the world of modern psychotherapy, like daddy issues. We have this imprint of a familial pattern where we're we're wounded from trauma, past trauma, and so we equate that with God when God is ultimately. Uh, the one who wants to give more than we could imagine. Yeah. And I would say it's part of that. I think there's also, you know, we're broken people and sin is something that's been to us and it's something that we do. And it's just like mm -hmm. a whole mix of those things. Um, I think you said something so important in that we choose to, to pray safe prayers. Yeah, that almost unbelief in being it's careful easier. and guarded, guarded is easier. And and really that is becomes another one of those detriments is comfort and control um, instead of disruption or discomfort or risk feel better to us. And so, you know, we're like, well, I don't I don't need him because everything is good and you know, I've got what I need and I've got an education and, or if, you know, I have, if I have some problems, I'll talk to my therapist or, um, you know, I've got this organizational strategy or, you know, this Instagram influencer says this product is really incredible and it's going to help me. Um, and so rather than saying, no, I'm not going to rely on these things. I'm actually going to press in, even if I feel discomfort or even if it disrupts things, we kind of choose to sit back more mm -hmm. into the safety of, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I, I don't need the power of the spirit in this situation. Yeah. Cynicism is safe, friend. Are you praying 
are you praying safe prayers? Are you, are you praying radical, radical prayers that could really mess, mess things up? Our worship leader, Joshua, the other day in prayer, he prayed something at pre-gathering prayer that has, it's stuck with me essentially out loud in vulnerability. He just confessed and he, he asked the, the Lord this question, am I just living a comfortable self-care program with Jesus stamped on it and not really sacrificing anything? And as we're talking about these detriments to the charismatic life, we've shifted gears a little bit here from unrepentant sin, living in the thin space between heaven and earth as a reality, unbelief, not believing that God wants to go for us and go through us to this concept of comfort and control. And Christianity and Christians are tempted to turn our practices into a very sophisticated self-care, self-help program. And that is not what Christianity is. Christianity is a disorienting transformation project that turns us into the image of Jesus. And to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will lose our comforts and our control, not in any scary way, but for our greatest benefit. And so we need to ask ourselves, am I living for only comfort? Am I living as if I need control of everything? Because that will quench and, uh, and grieve the Holy Spirit, which leads us to a next detriment um, of living that charismatic life, which is we become paralyzed out of fear. Mm-hmm. We want to pray our safe, cynical prayers that we know can be answered. Um, and we don't want to take any steps of like real faith that might bring about failure that might make us look silly, that might actually be a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have seen that happen to me. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was a brand new believer, probably like the first couple years of my Christianity, most of you know this, I had no Bible, no church background. I didn't know. And I was you know, coming out of a weird psychedelic world and the Holy Spirit just took over. Like stuff that I thought was normal Christianity, I would go and tell uh, my pastor about, and he'd be like, no, 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 that's not. And it slowly, but surely things ebbed away, but I would read the Bible and I'd be like, okay, well, that's what Christians did in the Bible. So that's what I do. And I saw that people were praying for healing in the Bible and they were healing. So we're on this mission trip down in Mexico and I see this man and he's crossing the street and he has a cane and sunglasses on, and he is your quintessential blind man. And I being full of youth and vigor, and risk and wanting to live on the the pioneering front edge of heaven and earth. I'm I'm praying for healing for that guy. This guy's going to be able to see. So I remember going up to him, speaking in broken Spanish, asking if I could lay hands on his eyes and pray for him. And he was responding to me kind of aggressively because I was coming on to him. I mean, honestly, pretty aggressively because I wanted to lay hands on his eyes and pray for healing that he would see. And it was interesting because I noticed like, as I was like trying to talk to him and put my hands on his, on his explain how I was going to put my hands on his face. It looked like he was like looking right at me and I just kind of ignored it. Like, you know, this guy can't see, he's obviously hearing my voice very clearly because it looks like, and all of a sudden, as I was like reaching forward to put my hand on him, he started swinging his cane at me (laughs) and he was aiming like exactly for where he could see. And I could see the rest of the mission team across the street and they were laughing like crazy because I'd been duped by a classic beggar's ploy. This man could fully see me, was pretending to be blind that he might garner the wages of those who have pity upon the blind. And uh, I was going to pray for healing for somebody that could perfectly see. (laughs) It was those kinds of things, I think, um, that I miss. Honestly, 
I miss making mistakes Mm -hmm. and I want to go back to making mistakes. I really do. I want to go back to praying for blind men that can see. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, honestly, it's, it's those types of experiences that really can make us kind of pull off the gas. And obviously, you know, this is like kind of a funny story, but there are moments when you're like, Hey, I feel led to do something. And then if you're met with a response that you're not expecting, or maybe you're like, Hey, I'd love to, I I felt like I had this word for you. Would you mind if I shared it? And then the Mm -hmm. person's like, this doesn't resonate at all. And then you walk away going, Oh, well, was that from the spirit or was that just me? And I kind of feel like an idiot. Um, I think those types of experiences can really make us pull off the gas rather than continuing to press in. Again, it it brings us back to this place of wanting to just be safe. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we can think thoughts like, I don't want to look like an idiot or what if I'm wrong in this situation? And so we pull back. And so there's this fear of an experience of making a mistake. Mm -hmm. But again, we've got to remember even in this life animated by the spirit, even if we make a mistake, it's not like all is undone or there's no covering for that. That is actually how you learn how to walk in the animation of the spirit. We have record of it in the New Testament. I mean, they start tossing around the the, the Urim and the Thummim uh, there in the book of Acts, trying to decide who's gonna be the 12th disciple. And they pick this guy, Matthias. And we don't hear anything else after that. And so... Mistakes are okay in the New Testament community as we're seeking to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't need to fear the experience of the Holy Spirit out of making mistakes. Now, the next detriment is the contrast of that. Fabricating experiences versus living in reality. Mm. Christian communities throughout the history of the church, especially those in the more Pentecostal charismatic flavor, have tended to drift into experiential Christianity creating and fabricating, exaggerating experiences in the name of honoring the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, really there are different camps, you know, in the church that maybe have overemphasized things. I would say, you know, for our particular community that this is gonna be more of the exception than the norm, fabricating mm-hmm. these experiences. I feel very compelled to encourage our community to walk more in faith and be willing to risk and even make mistakes than I am necessarily concerned that we're going to be fabricating things, Mm -hmm. you know, but it is something to be mindful of that, you know, especially we are people who love experience. And so then it's like, oh, I want that again. Mm -hmm. I want that again. And just be mindful that also reality is we have 24 hours in a day and there's a lot of mundane, non-experiential moments throughout that time and we can still be empowered um, by the spirit. And in those mundane, normal moments, the contemplative says, this is beauty, this is grace, the kingdom is here. And the charismatic says, flood this moment, this mundane, ordinary moment with the kingdom. Final piece is, uh, you know... Give glory where glory is due. These are the works of the Holy Spirit. Jonathan Edwards in his phenomenal and super long read on the accounts of the first and second awakenings on the East Coast. He talks about what he saw was the fall of, or the, the end of those charismatic renewals within the church. And he talked about people that began fabricating experiences, but at the root of it was people began to attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to certain names in the name of this pastor or that person is so anointed or that community was uniquely enabled by the Holy Spirit. And glory was 
subtly, very subtly shifted from what God the Holy Spirit was doing in those renewal works to the people. And the people slowly began to receive that glory rather than giving that glory back to God. When God begins to move in a charismatic way, you walk away from any event or any moment saying, surely that was God. Yeah, That had nothing to do with our ingenuity, our purity, our anything. It's not focused on this one person. God in his grace mm-hmm. did that through me, for us, for the well-being of the world. And it truly produces glory to God and gratitude in the heart of the one that was part of that process. Mm-hmm. So here's really, you know, concretely, concretely the call of living charismatically by the power of the Holy Spirit. First of all, cry out, like seek the power and the presence of God in your life. You know, take risks, be willing. Like we were saying, you know, the opposite of what some of these detriments are, it's like literally walking opposite of those detriments. Pause the podcast right now. Like take a risk (laughs) and cry out, spirit come today. And, and I would say the challenge would be to live this, this worldview in this way daily, moment by moment, that you go to work empowered by the Holy Spirit, that you're in that conversation empowered by the Holy Spirit, yep. that you're changing that baby's diaper empowered by the Holy Spirit, that you're sitting there watching Netflix empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must learn to be more sensitive to the whispered commands of the Holy Spirit, which for 95% of the time are going to be perfectly in alignment with scripture. They're going to be very obvious, almost unnoticed. And then those strange moments where the Holy Spirit says, go pray for that person. Go talk to that person. Here's a word I have for that person. I want you to pray for their healing. I want you to cry down the power of God in this moment. Obey those whispered commands. Mm -hmm. And, And then... We really encourage and we are encouraging more and more within our community um, an embodied faith that we lead with our bodies. We are Mm -hmm. embodied souls. This interaction between soul and physical flesh is so important. What we do in the body reflects what's happening in the spirit realm. And so singing, raising hands, bowing down before God. I've noticed in my own worship, like on Sundays and this morning during staff meeting, we just did a time of singing as an act of warfare, raising hands, embodied practice. Think King David in an undignified way, stripping down into his linen garments, the equivalent (laughs) of our underwear. And please don't strip down into your underwear on Sunday morning at church. That will get you arrested, but you get the idea. We are exposed to God in our bodies and we let our bodies reflect our worship and our submission and our obedience to him. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just thinking of Hebrews 11 where it talks about faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain for what we do not see. And so really in this charismatic moving by the spirit, I just want to encourage you guys, encourage myself, encourage Dan, let's let the hope of Jesus's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, that thin space and the certainty of what we can't see now, but we are certainly promised, uh, fuel our faith, fuel the way we live and the way we walk and the way we interact and really send you that power, that hope, that certainty that we have of God's kingdom coming one day in its complete fullness. Let that send you to live charismatically and dependently animated by the Holy Spirit. Shalom, friends. Yeah. Yeah. Shalom, dear friends. 